All right, Matthew chapter 13, a lot of reading this morning. Matthew chapter 13, um, verse 24. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, go down to verse 36. Then Jesus sent to the multitude away, and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, now go to Revelation chapter 14, starting with verse 6. Revelation 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, 
for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even to the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. A lengthy reading uh, for one uh, short title, um, and that is, An Enemy Hath Done This. I've preached this before, but it's probably been three years or so ago, and I don't really remember uh, what all I even said. But uh, but that thought came to me about a week and a half ago, uh, just the enemy hath done this, and and uh, first of all, we, uh, we, we noticed the parable that Jesus spoke and, and he, was comparing, uh, he was comparing sowing seed. Uh, and in the first part that I didn't read, the seed that was sown, uh, he said Satan came and would snatch it away. Uh, there's been countless times that people in this building uh, on Sunday mornings have been lost without God. Uh, and instead of paying attention to the Scripture and the reading and the preaching and the singing and the testimonies, their minds have been everywhere but where it needs to be. And so what causes that? An enemy causes that. An enemy has done this. Uh, we look around and see that Jesus said that, uh, that, uh, that He snatches the Word away so it never takes root in their heart. Uh, men will never seek a Savior. Uh, they'll never look to be saved. Uh, they'll never repent. They'll never go to the altar. Uh, they'll never bow their head or their knees uh, unless first uh, there comes a trouble that sets up in the heart of man. How I wish and long for that day. Hey, you know what is lacking in our in our churches today? Conviction. I mean old-fashioned, old-time, Holy Ghost sent from heaven. Conviction. Uh, there seems to be a lack of that in our churches. Uh, I can remember there's been, uh, I've had little burdens here and there, uh, but I've had one in particular, uh, not at this place, but at the place I used to pastor at. And when I say to you, I was uh, burdened so heavy uh, uh, for this little girl, I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. Uh, and so we need more of that. I, I would to God that He would and He would uh, give us a burden for our loss that we might uh, work harder and pray longer and, and do the things that needs to be done. Uh, but there's a lack of that today. And I would say because an enemy has done that. Uh, if you look around our world today, as Jesus taught, He was teaching about the parable. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up, we did plant gardens uh, and we did harvest those gardens uh, and we would go out with a hoe. Uh, as a little boy, I would go out with my bare hands and as I grew I would have a hoe and we would weed that garden and 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 really it was hard sometimes 
with an untrained eye and being so young, it was hard to distinguish what was a weed and what was a plant. And so that's what Jesus is teaching here. Uh, that there are those who, who sit amongst us who look the part. Uh, they sound the part. They'll talk the part. Uh, but there's nothing in their heart. Uh, there's no love to Jesus. There's no salvation. And so, uh, so we need to be careful when I was young. And even, even as an adult, Michelle plants flowers. Uh, and a lot of times I can't tell. And the only way you can tell is after they grow and look at the blooms. Uh, and that's the way it was in the garden. I couldn't tell what a weed was uh, from the actual vegetable until it began to grow and I would see what grew on it and that's the way it is. Uh, we are commanded as a church body uh, to, uh, to discipline our members when they walk contrary to the Word of God. Uh, that's one thing that we must do. It's one thing that we need to do. It's one thing that we must do is to purge. And, but sometimes you don't know. And some, we better leave that alone. As sometimes you don't know what's wheat and what's a tare. As sometimes you don't know. And so they asked him, and they said, what is this parable? And Jesus said, while men slept. I want you to get a hold of that this morning. Uh, the enemy came in while men slept. In other words, they would sow the seed and then they would rest for the night. And as they slept, an enemy under the cover of darkness came in and he would sow his tares in amongst the wheat. I want you to understand that. Uh, that our, uh, our churches in America today, uh, the problem is, why don't we have that conviction? It's because simply we have fallen asleep and under our sleep an enemy has came in and begin to sow the tares. You look around at our culture today. It is a death culture. It is a culture of complete death. Uh, the degradation of society. Uh, we call it, uh, we, uh, we take advantage of the poor and we call it a lottery. An enemy has done that. Uh, we take advantage and we prey on those that are lazy and we call it welfare. An enemy has done that. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong if you are disabled can't work. I don't know how it is here. But where I live there's a whole lot of people that just built that system and we call it welfare and an enemy has done that. We look at people that have been married and as they're married they love one another but over the course of time another person catches their eye and they begin to fall in love again with another person and a hatred begins to grow and a pressure amongst their own family and an enemy has done that now we are raising our children in homes uh, without mamas and without daddies. An enemy has done that. Uh, grandparents are raising their grandkids. An enemy has done that. Now uh, you look around. Uh, it started way back in the Garden of Eden. Way back at the dawn of creation uh, when that enemy came in and deceived Eve. And Adam partook of that willfully. And when they first stumbled upon their dead son, uh, lying uh, killed by his own brother and the only thing that they could say is an enemy has done that. Death. Uh, death. Uh, we, we, we say sometimes that, that everything happens for a reason. While, while I won't disagree with that, uh, we, we oftentimes uh, attribute things to God uh, that, that is simply not of God. 
You understand that. As somebody gets sick, well, it was God's will. Maybe it was and maybe it wouldn't. But a little baby that has never done anything good or bad that gets sick, I'll say that's not God's doing. An enemy has done that. Uh, we see car wrecks. Uh, that's not God's will. Uh, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of life with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Uh, so when some little baby gets sick and dies, uh, when your family is in a horrible accident, uh, that's not God. That is the enemy that has done that. Amen. You understand that difference today. Uh, but Jesus said it's while men slept and we have fallen asleep and our children are now grown and some of them are still lost and we've been asleep for a long time now we need to wake up because it was wild men slept that enemy has came in how we see it how we see people coming into this portion of our country Lafette's growing Nashville's growing how we see them bringing their ideologies in how we see other foreigners I'm not against any immigration don't get me wrong but I'll say this if you're not careful you'll be carried away and America will be no more and an enemy has done this Amen. you understand this we're living in a how we're living in a very dangerous volatile time how with wars and rumors of wars and enemies hath done this. And they said, what can we do? He said, they said, Lord, do you want us to go in and just tear up the tires? And he said, no, you can't do that. And they said, why? And he said, because if you pull up the tires, you're no doubt going to bring up some of the wheat. You see, when things are planted together over the course of time, their roots begin to intertwine. And that's what's happening in their churches. And that's what's happening with our churches in discord. That's not of God. An enemy has done that. Amen. That's not God's will. It's God's will that we should worship together. And an enemy has come in, so tears and so discord, and that took root. And that's what's wrong. It took root. It shouldn't have took root, but it did take root. An enemy has done that. Why do you think he's fighting so hard to keep people from being saved? The scripture says because he knows he has but a short time. The devil is simply in a rage today. His time is limited. And while men slept, he has worked for years and years and years. Things creeping into your television and right into your living room. Set your child in front of television and not only that, don't teach them right from wrong. Why do you think our Sunday schools are empty? Because an enemy has done that. Why do you think people that used to come to church and love the Lord, and I have no doubt that they love the Lord, but you can't find them on Sunday. Some are in this body, and I haven't seen them since COVID hit. Why do you say that is? Because an enemy has done this. Amen. You understand we're fighting an enemy today. You understand that uh, that uh, that uh, because there has been a sowing, there is also going to come a time of reaping. Right. And while men cannot distinguish the difference between wheat and tares, uh, you see what uh, the, the tear that it's talking about, uh, it looks just like wheat. I mean, when you planted it, when it started to grow, uh, you could not tell the difference. And the only way you could tell the difference was when they were fully ripe. It was called darnel, I think. And when it was fully ripe, then and only then could you tell the difference. And Jesus said, you can't. You can't separate the two. He said, that's not for you to do. But there is coming a day when I will do that. 
Israel sent forth my angels. The, uh, John the Baptist preached uh, uh, that Christ Jesus would come uh, with the, on the threshing floor with his winnowing fan in his hand and he would separate the wheat from the chaff. And he said, The chaff will I burn with unquenchable fire and the wheat will I gather into my garner and into my barn. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to the time when he gathers us home into his barn, into his garner. And that time is coming. And he said, So it shall be at the end of the world that I'll send forth my angels and they shall go forth and they shall sever the wicked from the just. I read to you in Revelation. There's a lot about Revelation that I don't think we'll ever understand. There's a lot about that uh, that man can never comprehend until the time comes that we're actually living in those days. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm not a prophet. My dad's not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But there are a few things that I believe to be absolutely certain. It is certain that at some point there is going to be a reaping because God has sowed the seed of humanity in the world, there is going to come a time of the harvest. You understand that? Those that say there is no God, those that don't fear, don't fear God, they're going to come to a day of realization one day when they're stretched out on their deathbed and a cold, clammy sweat begins to come over them. And you see, it ain't death that they begin to fear in that day. It's what comes after that. For it is certain that it is appointed unto man once to die. You're going to die. I don't mean to be harsh. I don't mean to scare you. I don't mean to prey on your emotions. I'm simply stating a fact. A preacher, I don't want to think about that. Now that's too heavy of a subject. I'm not thinking about it. Will not change the fact that one day you are going to die. Amen. You're going to go the ways of all the earth. Everybody that's ever been born will one day die. And it's, that is certain. Uh, we make preparations for every little thing. I'm making preparations for Thanksgiving last week. I had to plan on what time to get up, what time to put a turkey on, then the hand. We make preparations with life insurance. We make preparations with living wills. We make preparations with everything. Uh, but my friend, most people neglect the very thing. They never prepare for judgment day. Amen. You cannot do that at the very last minute. I mean, you must be found ready when your time is coming. See, that's the thing. None of us know when our time is. But we do know this. It is certain that God planted us. We talked in Sunday school this morning. Now, do you know that humanity, you know that humans, you know that every soul that's ever lived on the face of this earth is eternal? Eternal. Eternal. It means you're never going to not exist. You've been planted here and you will always, always, always exist. Amen. There's nothing you can do to change that. Simply dying isn't a cessation of existence. You will live on. You will go on. And after you die, then comes the day of judgment. You are going to die. There's going to be a harvest. At some point or another, the God of heaven and earth is going to say it's time for the harvest. What did Jesus teach His disciples? He said, lift up your heads and lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white, all ready to harvest. That was over 2,000 years ago. If they were ready to harvest then, 
What do you think about now? When we don't know the difference in a man and a woman, when we don't know the difference between when life starts, when we're killing babies in the womb, I'm telling you the earth is ripe for a harvest. I'm not making any predictions. I'm not saying it's going to be in the next few years. I have no idea. Now, what I will say is what we said in Sunday school. God is God and He can do whatever He wants to do. Amen. But there is coming a time that is certain. I believe according to the book of Daniel, the judgment is set. In other words, God who, who doesn't have to abide by time. He exists outside of time. God has no calendar. But if He does have a calendar or did, He's already got that time marked. The judgment is already set. There is nothing that humanity can ever do to change that time and that date. It is already set and that only resides in the knowledge of God the Father. That invisible spirit being from everlasting to everlasting. But you can mark it down because He planted us here He's going to reap what He planted. He's gonna, there's going to come a day, we read to you in your hearing, uh, that in that day or before that day, it said an angel. And at that point, I don't think it's talking about a celestial being. I think it's talking about preachers and men of God. He said an angel began to fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach. Well, I don't think that's the third heaven because there is no gospel as far as I know being preached there. In other words, it's, it's, it's only the earth uh, that messengers and men of God uh, will have a time uh, to spread forth and preach to you a Jesus that died for your sins and rose from the dead that you can be saved. Um, he said an angel would fly with the sound of the everlasting gospel. You know men, men scoff at that today. They don't want the true gospel. Uh, they want salvation uh, but they don't want the gospel. Uh, they want to be saved uh, but they don't want the gospel. For the gospel pierces the heart. The gospel pierces the heart. And the gospel divides soul and spirit and bones and marrow apart and discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. They don't want to repent. They don't want to change their life. They want to be one of God's. But they're not. If they, if they never repent, then they're the weed and the tire and they're not the weed. Right. You must repent. You must humble yourself and repent. Men will not humble themselves today. We have a problem with pride and arrogance. But in that day, the preachers will be given one last opportunity. You realize there is coming a day when the last gospel message will ever be preached. That's coming at some point. There's coming a day when, when the last gospel sermon you ever hear it's going to end. It's going to be no more. It's going to be over forever. And there's nothing you can do to change that in that day. The judgment has been set. The everlasting gospel has went forth uh, from the ends of the earth uh, with technology. It's spread across the globe. And men will either receive that or they will reject that. But the everlasting gospel must be preached until time is no more. But it said at that time, uh, then there will be a great harvest. Uh, I read to you there in Revelation uh, that the harvest day's coming. And John said he had this great vision. He said he saw the angels come and they did sever the wicked from among the just. And he said the smoke of their torment ascends up. You understand? Why is not men scared of that today? Because an enemy has done that. Amen. 
He has desensitized our children to the point where they no longer fear God, fear death, fear hell, fear the judgment, fear anything. An enemy has done that. Amen. When I was growing up, the man of God would preach hellfire and brimstone and preach about how hot that hell is. You realize there's hardly anything worse in, uh, as far as pain goes. I've been through a lot of pain. Probably the greatest pain that I've ever been through in my life come from a bird because there is absolutely nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing to help. Some things might ease it, but you see it nothing never goes away until it just goes away on its own. There's really nothing you can do for a burn like that. You realize in the depths of hellfire that God is going to give you a body that will burn forever and never and ever and never go out. You realize that's what John saw in that vision? He said the smoke of their torment. Now we're living in a time when men are so enlightened. Now they say that's an antiquated book. It's an old book. It never was talking about a literal fire. It's a mythical, mythical fire or a metaphysical fire. I'm telling you, if you die lost without God, your soul will go into the fire and there's coming a day you're going to have a body to pair up your soul. It's two hands. It's not just one, it's two hells. Now, there's a hell for the soul. And then when your body joins, that's a hell on top of another hell. I'm telling you, it's hot. And the smoke, John said in Revelation, ascends up out of that place forever and ever and ever. And still men will not repent because an enemy has done this to their minds Amen. and their hearts. And they become so hardened in sin. See, those sin, those roots of sin take root. And that root runs deep in the earth. And there's no way we can gather them up. But you do have an opportunity today, today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Today, you have an opportunity to escape that. And John said, he said, I saw a vision, one likened to the Son of Man. And he sat upon a cloud and upon a throne. And it had to be, he said, one likened to the Son of Man. I believe it was the Son of Man. I believe it was the Son of God. And he said, an angel came unto him. And he said, I've got word. I thrust in my sickle because the earth is ripe. And he said, I thrust in my sickle. And see, there was a harvest. There's going to come a time when God's chosen and God's elect and God's saved and those of us who have repented, who have believed, who have come the blood bought way, who have borne the trials and we bore the tribulations and we've, and we've tried to minister to the sick and we've tried to worship God. We've got a love for Jesus Christ in our hearts. There's coming a day when all of our trials are going to fall behind. Aren't you glad of that? Boy, I'm so glad. Thank God and glory there's coming a day and no more death and no more sickness no more stress and no more worry and no more staying up late at night and no more tears and no more sorrow and no more party no more anything but we're gathered up together I'm telling you the harvest is going to be a good time and for those of us who've been saved the harvest is great it's when that great farmer above will take his sickle and thrust it in and say go and gather my church and go and get my bride I'm telling you the Lord Jesus Christ is waiting for that day just like we are he's going to be glad he's going to rejoice John said I saw him 
And on that cloud and then that throne, he had a crown on. That's not a crown. You know, the, the last time he was on this earth, they crowned him all right. It was with a crown of thorns. And his blood ran down his brow and across his face. He wore that crown while men mocked him wearing that crown of thorns. The crown John saw was different. The crown John saw wasn't even a crown of power, but it was a crown as a, as, as a king would wear going forth in the battle. I'm telling you, He is our King, and He is our Lord, and He is our God, and He purchased Himself. He fought the battle, and we won. He fought the battle, and we won. And so now He's crowned with a crown. And John said he's been given a name like nobody else has ever had. That at his name, the one they mocked, the one they spit on, the one they buffeted, and the one they crucified, at his name, every knee will bow. Amen. And whether you do while you're alive or not, that's up to you. But there will come a day every demon that's ever tormented man, even Satan himself, that great light bearer called our adversary, and Satan and Luke, whatever you want to call him, he will bow down to the King of Kings. I'm telling you, John said he had a crown on. John said he has a vesture on. And he has this, a vesture that's been dipped in blood. And he's coming. He's not coming as that humble little lamb. What a thing to be born as a babe in Bethlehem of Judea. What a thing to be born God and man. What a thing it is that we're about to celebrate in about a month or so when God became a man. I'm telling you, when He comes again, He's not coming as a gentle little lamb. He's riding a white horse. He's coming to get His bride. He's coming to get His own. And those that love Him and have been saved by grace, there is no greater thing that you could ever experience than Him coming for you. Whether it's when we all go at once or if He comes by us one at a time, I'm telling you, He's going to reap His own. What He has planted and what He has sown in our hearts, He's going to reap one day. And so then it says another angel came. Another angel came. And told another angel, the harvest is not yet complete. I'm God. I've separated. I've discerned. I knew the wheat from the tare. You see, in that day, God will do the separating. I've heard, I've heard Brother Joe in Sunday school, and I'll quote him because I think it's absolutely true. There are far, far, far more saved people in this earth than go to the missionary Baptist church. That's right. There are far more, and every one that he has planted, he will receive unto himself and present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but we will pass through the judgment seat of Christ and all of our sins will fall off and we will be cleansed in that day. Now, there are also Far, far, far more than we want to even admit that are lost, that are members of Missionary Baptist Church. Right. You see, we don't distinguish the wheat from the tide. We can't do it. We take them at their word. And we don't know. We just simply have to take them at their word. And over the course of time, as they grow, they'll produce fruit. And judged by that fruit, you shall know them. But we cannot separate them, but He can. 
And He will. And there'll come a day of judgment. And He'll gather His own. And those that are left is for another reaping. Another harvest. And another angel. And another sickle. And He says when He casts His sickle into the earth, He said those grapes are fully ripe. Sin will make you fully ripe. Sin will kill you and make you fully right. John said it like this. He said they will be thrown into that great wine press of the wrath of God. There's a song that we sing called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And it said he's treading out the vineyards or something like that where the grapes of wrath are stored. He'll unleash his lightning like a terrible swift sword. And his truth will march on. There is two reapings. There are two harvests. One, we're gathered up to him in his barn and in his garner and in his glory. But there's another harvest. There's another reaping. There's another death. Woe unto them that are part of that harvest. Because it says that they will tread the fierceness of the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. In other words, He's going to gather us and then He's going to gather them and they will have no more. No more opportunity. Friend, if you die lost without God, it'll be forever. Forever. Doesn't matter what Dante said about it in his inferno. He paints the devil as different than he is. Dante paints the devil as cloven-footed and pitched forth in a red cape. That's not so. The devil will come to you subtly. The enemy will come to you granting things that you desire. The enemy comes to you as a creature of light when he's really an angel of death. But there is another reaping. There is another harvest. When that sickle is thrust in, then are gathered all of the lost, the hundreds of millions that have ever lived and died lost will be part of that harvest. And they will be thrown into the wine press. You know how they made wine back then, especially, but they may still do some places, but men would gather grapes and they would throw it into the wine vat and men would trample on them. They would... They would trample on them and as they trampled them under their foot, their, their juice would squirt out and that would make the wine. It says that they uh, that die lost are going to be thrown into the wine press and God Almighty will tread them down without mixture. Amen. Judgment, not diluted. Yeah. Pure, holy judgment. You see, now we're facing judgment, but it's with mixture. It's been diluted. Because the Spirit of God is still here and His church is still here and His people still here. But there's coming a day we will depart and we'll be gathered up and then judgment will come undiluted. Pure. A sinner dies and goes to hell, my friend. The flames will lick up on that soul and that body forever. It's almost this, almost as if the flames make the Word forever blazing over their head. You will never leave. You will never die. You will never perish. If there was ever one moment of respite, if you had one ounce of hope that there might come a time when God would empty hell itself and give you another chance, you could endure it. You could endure anything if you had hope. But there's coming a time all hope will be taken away. 
And that word forever, that word forever, that word forever will be stamped upon you. It said all of this happens in the presence of God and His holy angels. They'll witness it. Could you imagine what John thought as he had this vision? That's just a vision, preacher. Yes, sir, it is. But it is one that is certainly going to happen. Hey, could you imagine what John thought as he penned down the book of Revelation? He saw that vision. He saw the wrath of God poured out without mixture. He saw the souls of them uh, that, were, uh, that were saved in heaven itself. And then he saw the souls of them and he watched the smoke of their torment. I'm telling you, the smoke is going to ascend forever and forever. And because God's people have been asleep, an enemy hath done this. The enemy is real. The enemy is amongst us. Every Sunday in this place, get men's thoughts, there are people here every Sunday that have never been saved. By their own testimonies, they're still lost. By their own testimonies, they've never been saved. If they had half sense, if you had half sense, if you had any sense about you today, you'd flee to the one person. You'd flee to the one. You'd flee to the one who could take that all away. Why haven't you? Because an enemy had told you otherwise. Because an enemy has hidden that from your heart. Because an enemy has sowed that seed that you still have time. That you still have opportunity. That you don't need to go up in front of a bunch of people and fall on your face and on your knees. That is straight from the enemy. If you keep listening to that enemy, forever you'll perish. Amen. Forever. You ever had a burn? I have. They're not fun. I can't imagine having a burn and God creating a body to go with that soul that will never be consumed. Uh, flames will lick up your throat and your nostrils. You'll have a body. You'll have senses. You'll have a memory. You'll have everything there. But the love of God will be absent. You can endure it. And yet you'll have to forever and ever. There's never a moment. Never a moment. You won't search for a drop of water. Just one. That's not asking for much. Just one little drop. And that drop will never come. Torment. Torment. That's, what, that's not my word. That's John's word. That's God's word. The smoke of their torment will ascend up forever. Preacher, we're going to have a good time in hell. You keep telling yourself that. An enemy has done that to you. Yep. When you land there in hell square with all your thoughts, all your faculties, all your senses, the only thing you can say was the everlasting gospel was preached to me and an enemy kept it from me. An enemy didn't let it into my heart. An enemy prevented me. An enemy. Let me tell yourself something today. Let me tell you something. That enemy has no power over you unless you allow that enemy to have power over you. You can tell that enemy not so. You can tell that enemy I'm going to repent. You can tell that enemy I'm going to be saved. You can tell that enemy to get away from me. And you can flee to the one who can save you today. Why haven't you? Because an enemy has done that. That enemy has destroyed everything good and holy about us. I want you to be saved. I don't just want you to escape hellfire. I want you to be saved. I want you to know what that's like to bear forth good fruit. I want you to know what it's like
to not have any fears and doubts and worries about death. I want you to know what that's like to live I live with the expectation of the coming of the Lord and not fear about that. Amen. But live with the expectation that when the Lord comes, that is a good thing. Right. When Babylon falls, that is a good thing. When this world is going to burn, that is a good thing. For that's the holy judgment of a holy God. That's, a, that's the reaping of the harvest that He has sown beginning in the Garden of Eden. He sowed it then. He's going to reap it one day. Two harvests, two reapings, two sickles are going to be planted into this earth. One or the other you're going to belong to. You're either going to be gathered into Him or you're going to be gathered together and burned in the fire. Burned with unquenchable heat. Where Jesus Himself said, Friend, I have no authority to speak of what heaven's like or what hell's like. I'll leave that to the One that created it. But I'll say what He said that there, that worm will never die. And that fire will never be quenched. Where the worm dies not, it'll eat away at you forever and ever. The fire will never be quenched. Not ever. A million years, ages will roll on and on and on. Meanwhile, those in heaven... There's never going to be a day or a night. There's not anything but one unending day. But it says in hell, day and night. Day and night, time will go on forever and ever. In heaven, the ages roll on in one everlasting day. There will be no night. No need to even shut the gates because nothing can enter in that's unholy. But in that day, he that is unholy, let him be unholy still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation 22. In other words, he that is saved, let him be saved forevermore. And he that dieth lost will forever be lost. Generation after generation, day after day, year after year, month after month, age after age will roll on and you'll still be lost. Tormented forever. Two harvests, two reapings, two sickles. Which one are you? An enemy hath done this to you. That enemy will take you down. Don't let him do that. Church, wake up. Our children are dying in sin. They're crying out in sin. They're living in sin. They see no need to turn from their sin. Would we ask God today for a burden? Would we ask God today if there's anything we can say or do to do that? An enemy hath done this. Come ahead with a song. We're going to have an invitation. If you're here today and you're lost, today's the day to get right with God. At some point, your time will be over. You'll be in the harvest. Preacher, i got all my life to that harvest. Yes, you do. But that might not be as long as you think it is. Your life could end today. Today. Preacher, I'm healthy. It doesn't matter. Two years ago last week, I was healthy. Next thing I knew, I'm in an ambulance going to the hospital. My appendix had ruptured. I almost died. I've been at death's door twice. Once I fully knew it, and I was not scared. Once I didn't know it, my fever spiked so high so fast. I was delirious. Didn't really know anything else going on. 
But I do remember a nurse saying, you're going to die. I've got to get somebody in here to help you. You're going to die. But see, in that state, my fever had spiked so high, so far, I wasn't even in my right mind. I just barely remember her saying that. What I'm saying is things can happen suddenly. Suddenly. You do have the rest of your life to get right. But when is that going to be? As we stand and sing.